Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Um, before we get into the podcast today, I just want to give everybody a little reminder that if you didn't catch the podcast that we did last week with Justin Urquhart Stewart, do check that out because there's some very interesting topics there and what was a very broad ranging discussion. And we're actually starting to see some of those play out in markets already. So do um, check that out um, through your chosen podcast player. Um, today's podcast, though, we're going to be looking at UK equities in particular. And to do that, we have with us very kindly joining us, Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. Good to be back. So we're looking at FTSE 100 today, Alan, which is up in excess of 1%, currently trading at about 62.30. Now, this is despite uh, the announcement today and really more of a confirmation um, of the extent of the economic detriment caused by coronavirus, seeing contraction in GDP of 20%. Of course, the FTSE 100 is in no means an indicator of the UK economy. Uh, A large proportion of revenue comes from overseas. But even if we're looking at the FTSE 250, where there's a great proportion of of, of revenue coming from uh, the United Kingdom, we're not seeing too much of a reaction there. Alan, do, do you think that the markets are really looking past uh, the the short-term fallout to the coronavirus, what we may see at the end of furlough, and and very much focusing on 2021 and potential uh, recovery there, if we're going to see a a V-shape or a W-shape recovery, whatever it may be. Um, Or do you think this is just uh, a result of the sheer amount of stimulus that we're seeing being pumped into the system at the moment. Which way do you think the markets are sort of leaning towards on their thinking at the moment? That's a very good question, uh, Jonathan. I think um, I think there are so many uh, there are so many factors in the mix here, and of course, we, as you pointed out, we heard from officially today that uh, the economy shrank. 20% um, in quarter two compared with the first three months of the year, which by any standards is, is a huge number. But as so often in the markets, and I'm talking about any market, um, uh, any, any financial uh, market uh, uh, across the world, the uh, the old adage, uh, buy, buy on the rumours, sell on the news, is often the case. And I think, uh, um, but, but I think in this instance, we're, we're probably seeing a, a sell the rumour by the news situation because clearly the numbers are out. Yes, we knew it was going to be bad. It is bad. Now let's get on with it. Um, and there have been talks in recent days from various uh, think tanks around the UK that the severity of the economy might not be as bad as people think. It's likely to last for longer, however, so it'll be more drawn out. So whether we're going to see a W-shaped um, recovery, which seems to have typified the FTSE's reaction um, uh, to to the, the, the good and the bad news coming out 
thus far. Um, I think it's uh, we've heard talk of an L-shaped uh, recovery. Um, I think it's going to be somewhere between the W and the L myself. I think we're going to see the FTSE rising on days like today where we've got facts out there. So um, there's a bit of a reset. Um, analysts can uh, re-examine their numbers, maybe adjust their numbers for recovery. And of course, let's not forget the FTSE always, or the, the markets as a whole tend to look about nine months ahead. So this is very much a view on where it sees the market uh, uh, um, next, uh, uh, the start of next summer based on Based on where we are, to, uh, based on the um, the uh, the uh, knowledge and of the numbers and the depth of the recession we have today. So, if if we're looking at markets today and and, and assume that uh, we're looking six months to nine months forward, what are the risks and how high are the risks for a very sharp uh, correction in the meantime that could even take us back down to the lows that we saw back in in March? I think those risks are always there, and and that's the fact that that's uh, the factor. Of course, um, we're we're seeing. I think I think it, unlike in in previous years, and even the, the well, the credit crunch is probably the first really strong example of central bank intervention, um, and if you like, uh, altering the the shape of a recession and also the subsequent recovery. Um, <sighs> Can governments buy their way out of crises now? That that's uh, that's a very good question. I think I think the amount of stimulus governments around the world are prepared to put into markets almost knows no bounds. Um, so uh, I think in Ireland the furlough has um, the furlough uh, system has been uh, uh, pushed forward until April next year. We're not seeing that in the UK. That could well change. Of course, that will that will um, allow for additional. Uh, that that will uh, create an additional huge uh, bill for the government to to spend, but also the initiatives on uh, e- on eating out and other initiatives other initiatives across the leisure and entertainment industries, um, and all the time, of course, we're moving nearer to a vaccine. We're also finding drugs that are already out there in circulation that are used to treat other conditions that can be used to treat. Uh, uh, coronavirus and and chronic cases of, of of coronavirus too. So I think I think we've got all the factors in place, provided there are no shocks or nasty surprises. Um, are we going to power on from here? I think it's going to be as as I, as I said earlier, a cross between an L shaped and a W shaped recovery. Okay, and, and just um, just finishing off here with looking at at the UK markets. Interestingly, today, if we're looking year to date, the FTSE 100 and the FTSE 250 are both actually down 17% uh, year to date. If you you had a pot of cash now, Alan, and you had to put it to work in in either the FTSE 100, um, maybe a a tracker of of some sort or an ETF or selection of broad selection of stocks, or focus on the FTSE 250, given the backdrop that... The UK have had has had the worst uh, recession of the European countries during this, uh, this crisis. Would you be backing the more focused um, stocks that are more focused on the on the UK, or would you be looking at the the FTSE one hundred, where you're seeing a more global approach to the equities there? 
I probably I'd probably go seventy uh, percent in favour of FTSE hundred stocks uh, with that global focus, um, and also the the uh, the corresponding spread of risk too, because they're in the FTSE hundred for a reason. They're larger stocks; they have exposure to a broader range of potential revenue streams and markets, and um, by definition, that carries with it less less risk. But also, you want to take advantage of. FTSE 250 and, of course, the smaller indices too, um, because these are the next FTSE 100 companies and they're they're powering ahead and um, and recognising growth opportunities. And indeed, if one of the companies I'm going to talk about in, in a second has, uh, it's almost a case of crisis, what crisis for um, for, for this company that I'll, I'll, I'll be going on to in a sec. Okay, so let's, let's, let's move on to that. So the, yeah. the company we're going to be discussing now is Admiral. So, Alan, Admiral's trading on a, on a forward earnings basis of 19 times, whereas its closest rival uh, in RSA is only trading at, at 11 times estimated earnings going forward. So, a very sharp uh, difference there in the valuations of, of two very similar companies. Of course, Admiral have updated today. What what's um, given the market impetus to, to give that premium to Admiral? Well, I, th- I think RSA actually are, are are quite different, and, and it's it's RSA of course are life and investments and so on, whereas Admiral are pure insurance. But of course, they've got the different insurance arms. They've got they've got uh, Bell, they've got Diamond, they've also got Confuse.com, the price comparison site, and they've also got Elephant.co.uk. So. Um, it, it's uh, predominantly uh, UK home, uh, international insurance, and also UK motor. And what impressed me, and indeed Atlantic Capital Markets uh, published a note on the company this morning, um, that uh, the, comp- the results were the results were impacted by COVID. Group turnover slipped to one point seven billion, slipped by four um, percent, and that was almost. Exclusively as a result of Admiral's own stay at home, stay at home premium refund. Obviously, people weren't couldn't use their cars to get out, so the uh, the, the refund was paid. Um, had that not uh, been the case, revenue revenue and turnover would have increased by two percent. Um, added to this, um, the uh, customer numbers grew during the period by six percent, um, and pre tax profits grew by thirty percent. So. It's a it's a phenomenal performance by any standards, given the crisis. Um, and indeed, um, the, uh, the the chief exec said uh, last year, yeah, I described our results as a bit dull. With a better with the benefit of hindsight, there's a lot to be said for a dull if the alternative is global pandemic. Um, because the, again, this is just the company is almost like a cash machine. It just uh, there was a brief blip in uh, March in the midst of the crisis, and then the shares the shares came back. Very strongly indeed. In fact, if you bought the shares on that day, I think at eighteen pounds or eighteen pounds something, they'd have recovered to uh, twenty-two, twenty-three pounds almost within five or six, five to six days. So a really, really strong recovery. Um, so uh, going forward, you know, where's the upside? What's uh, what uh, Atlantic pointed out? Atlantic Capital Markets pointed out in their in their note was if you take a a look further back. So, if you look at the history of Admiral and its performance, the um, the, the the chart is 
uh, shows a very predictable share price performance, even during the COVID, even dur- during the COVID crisis. It, it's uh, it's basically been powering higher. Um, yeah, I, well, I mentioned W shaped recovery. It's a it's a, it's a W shaped chart which is progressing higher toward the, the top right hand corner throughout uh, throughout the process. So um, if you're looking, I think for a safe. Uh, a safe large cap uh, insurer to take you to the next level. Um, I think uh, uh, I think Admiral Insurance right now probably offer offer the best uh, the best of all worlds because they they deliver already such a strong performance. The outlook is very strong. They haven't been affected by 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 COVID. So what is it going to up? To, uh, what is it going to take to slow the super tanker down? You know, it looks um, it looks very strong going forward. And in in, in fact, Atlantic. Uh, Basically said, "quote unquote," they they say it's a well-run company with a ton of growth potential still waiting in the wings. So, just looking at the numbers with uh, with Admiral Alan, their yeah. net insurance claims fell sixty million, yeah. which in a very similar number. This is obviously for, for the half year to the end of June. Uh, very similar number to the increase in net profit, which which increased roughly roughly sixty million. Yes. Yeah. What, what are the sort of risks that um, this is a, a sort of one-off event? And given that revenue has been, been pretty flat during that period, what's the risk that we obviously see the, the, this jump in, uh, in net profit during, during the, uh, the half, purely down to insurance claims because people were, were staying at home and not driving and the roads were, were, were dead to some extent? As things start to, to pick back up, could there be um, a bit of pressure coming from? Because I think there's a bit of a trend. Uh, there is a trend in in car ownership um, falling off, uh, yeah. in, in particular. Does this impact of the the net insurance claims falling uh, substantially disappear uh, in in the next half? And you're obviously looking at, at a share here, which is quite uh, well, obviously at, at all time highs as yeah. we. As we speak, they pay the special dividend that they've uh, announced. They pay the dividend, but then profitability goes back to what it was, you know, last year. And we're suddenly looking at share prices today that, that start to look expensive for a company that's operating back in um, normal operating conditions. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I think that's a very good point. But um, um, well, firstly, the fact that the board have paid out this special dividend. Uh, on top of the the, the standard dividend, um, which uh, basically is a, is a twelve percent addition to last year's dividend. Um, now, of course, the company, uh, any company in the current situation with the uncertainty, the recession, everything else, is going to be looking to preserve cash. Um, up to up to date, prior to the COVID crisis, the company was well run. <laughs> if a bit dull, as the, as the CEO says, so um, the, the fact that the board approved a decision to pay out this enlarged dividend, to my mind, says it doesn't actually matter if the uh, claims, if the net claim uh, numbers increase during the next uh, quarter or the next half. The um, the company is confident enough in the momentum in the business and also the spread of revenue streams that the company generates to to be able to continue paying out. The dividend at that level and cover and cover net losses, um, and I think that's a very important factor. You know, the um, companies have responsibility 
uh, to their shareholders. And that decision would have been taken after a lot of thought and running different models against that against that uh, that scenario. Um, and I, it, it's often the, the saying, you know, uh, the, yes, the shares might be expensive. Yes, you know, y- you might see them powering uh, forward. But I think, um, as Atlantic also point out in their note, in the case of Admiral, I think the trend is very much your friend at the moment. So um, although it might buck conventional thinking in some regards, I think the anecdotal evidence uh, supports um, continuing to to buy the shares going forward. Fantastic. So, Adam, now moving on from, as uh, as the CEO of Admiral said, the very dull world of insurance, something that's a little bit more um, up and coming. And we're going to be looking at the battery sector, particularly those batteries that are powering electric vehicles. We're not going to be looking at uh, the likes of, te- of Tesla, uh, the users of these. We're going to be looking at a miner which is specialised in this area in strategic minerals. So you've had a, a good look at those this week. What's the, the latest with them? Okay, so um, so Strategic Minerals have uh, have had a pretty productive year, as you rightly said, Jonathan. They are they are focused on um, the battery. Well, well, they're focused on metal and metals and minerals likely to benefit from a boom in the battery market going forward. And I think uh, I think uh, uh, there are. Many other miners in this space, but um, there's a. I actually met the. Uh, I actually met one of the directors, um, uh, Peter Whale, uh, a couple of years ago at uh, one of the uh, one of the um, investor events in London. And um, you know, he's um, he's a director that has skin in, in the game. And I think what I like about the board, you've got Peter Whale, John Peters, the MD, Alan Broom, the chairman. Um, Peter Whale and John Peters have got three and a half, well, three point three percent each, and Alan Broom has a has a uh, getting over half percent too. So, directors with skin in the game. Um, so, the company, uh, just to give a quick overview of its operations, it's got uh, four key operations. The, um, the the one that generates the most revenue for them is the Mexico Cobra operation, and this is an operation where uh, which sells uh, magnetite. Um, from a treated stockpile via its company, or a wholly owned subsidiary, um, uh, from 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 a, a, a tailings dam, um, and uh, during 2019, the company made sales, uh, and obviously reflecting the strategic minerals accounts of 2.4 million dollars, um, down previously from 3.3 uh, million dollars. So, so, th- so the company has. Um, the, the company has the ongoing uh, uh, sales from from Cobra, which really underscore and provide the bedrock for the for the revenues uh, and, and the cash flow for the company. Um, on the results, uh, the company declared full year results um, on the year, um, and um, the the uh, the revenues fell uh, to um, uh, eight hundred forty five thousand um, dollars. Uh, and included a $1.9 million impairment. These, these are Australian dollars, I should add. Um, from Actually, no, they're not Australian dollars. They are US dollars. Um, an impairment from central rare earths, um, which resulted from the the Hans Camp um, project, which is... Uh, which is derived from Cares Laverton project in Central Australia. This is a cobalt, nickel, and sulphide and rare earths project, um, and uh, the um, the uh, in, 
the the impairment basically came from a payment that had to be made uh, to to care. So if you take those numbers out, um, excluding the, the the company would have actually delivered a pre-tax operating profit this year of 0.27 million, and that's from a loss of 0.22 million last year. Um, Moving on to the other projects, uh, the company has the Lee Creek Copper Mine in southern Australia, that's uh, just north of Adelaide, covers an area of 935 square kilometres, um, and the, the company stated in the uh, results that uh, first revenues were due uh, from that uh, from that um, project following the validation of, of off-take agreements. Um, it's uh, strategic metals are seeking joint venture partners in the near uh, in the in the near term, um, and indeed uh, there are expectations uh, subject to negotiation with the Australian uh, uh, governments uh, that uh, it will restart production possibly even as soon as the end of this year. So progress is being made there too. Um, the company also now owns one hundred percent the Redmore tin and tungsten mine in Cornwall and of course it, you know as I mentioned these metals you'll you'll be aware that all these metals have applications for the for the battery industry so um, so the the Redmore tin and tungsten mine has indicated reserve uh, an indicated resource from drilling to date of 11.7 million tons um, at uh, at uh, 1.1 1. Um, 1. 175 grams per ton um, the recovery assumptions from the project so far are 72% uh, tungsten, 68% uh, tin, and also copper as well at 85%. Uh, and the project has a net present value somewhere in the region of $100 million. Again, um, uh, Strategic Minerals is uh, seeking a, a joint venture partner to move the uh, project to pre-feasibility study status. So... Across there, there's a, a spread of projects which give strategic minerals exposure around the globe to a number of, of, of projects that, um, in the case of Mexico, Cobra, are really uh, generating cash. In the case of Lee Creek Copper, are about to, and also Redmore and Hans Camp um, are, are obviously on the launch pad in that regard. So it's the, the, the company's actually got. Uh, in my opinion, for an exploration company, it has the right mix. So you've got revenues coming in and uh, and future revenues from projects on the launch pad. Uh, so just to say, the shares of traders high is just over a penny on the year, as low as 0.33, currently just off that year low, 0.4p. And the company has a market cap of just 6.8 million, which given the sales that are already taking place um, and the projects on, on, on the on the launch pad, um, I think uh, if this company were listed on the ASX or possibly even on the TSX, uh, we would see a much higher valuation simply because of the revenues that are already being generated. So, with, with uh, just looking at the, the company's strategy here, uh, they've said that they uh, their strategy is to support uh, ongoing operations from cash flows. Yeah, in the last quarter, they raised uh, 1.2 million. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so, what what was the the fundraising there for? Is that sort of looking at that investment, or you know, are they not yet at that stage where the cash flows are supporting uh, the ongoing operations? Well, the cash flow the cash flow supports ongoing operations, but they they made the uh, that they made the payment to uh, to to Central Rare Earths 
care for short. Um, and uh, it was that um, it was that singular payment that uh, uh, basically um, generate well uh, uh, created the need for the for the raise. But the 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 raise was uh, was uh, was placed and uh, and um, and completed pretty pretty rapidly. So. I don't think there's any issue uh, from investors um, looking at this company again and possibly if they need to raise money further down the road to take these projects to the next stage. I think they I think with the spread of investments, um, the spread of income they have from Cobra and the potential uh, um, projects on the launch pad, I see I see real potential for this company going forward. Thank you. So that's, that's an interesting company. I'm sure that we'll touch on that one again, Alan. It's a very interesting uh, sector that's certainly growing. So to finish off, there's, there's a company here that is one of, of many listed in London, uh, particularly on the AIM market, which on the face of it aren't particularly interesting, but has some very interesting investments. Um, so the one we're going to be looking at today is Two Shields investments. We've discussed a, a few companies uh, with a similar structure of this. But focusing on the two shields today, Alan, they've got uh, investments in companies such as Brand Shield uh, and We Shop and, and also some exposure to, to lithium. So how have things been going for them recently? Well, I mentioned two shields. We, we discussed uh, two shields on the podcast here. Jonathan, this is going back I think uh, back to uh, late May, early June. And uh, yeah, j- just as you rightly said, t- to give you an overview of the core investments the company has, um, it has uh, a- an investment into West African lithium, um, where, it, uh, where, where it, uh, it, it owns 40%. It has a, um, a- an investment into the Kalahari, uh, Kalahari Key uh, uh, project, uh, which of course is operated by Power Metal Resources, uh, Epico POW, and we've spoken about power before. Um, and there was um, there was a, a key update uh, um, uh, a, a few days ago from from the company, which uh, was published as an RNS also by uh, Two Shields, um, where they, the the company said that uh, uh, Power Metal Resources um, were set to launch an audio. Mag- magnetotelluric uh, survey AMT survey of the of the region um, and Paul Paul Johnson the CEO of Power said that implementation would be a sig- significant event as they were targeting nickel sulfides at scale. Now Power Metal Resources are set to um, following an investment of half a million dollars. They're set to earn in at forty percent initially, and at the end of the year, once completed, they will own just over fifty percent of the project. So, um, so, so Two Shields Investment hold a significant chunk in Power Metal Resources, and of course, any upside from there will be reflected in in in, in uh, the TSI share price as well. I should say, at present that uh, TSI currently has a market cap of seven point four million shares of trade as high as. Um, as uh, 0.17p and as low as 0.06p, and as we speak, they're currently at 0.11p. So um, they they pushed ahead on on the news from the last few days. Just to go through the other companies, um, Global Geoscience uh, it has a third, a, a 29.9% stake in uh, Brand Shield Cybersecurity. It owns 11.5%, and as you rightly point out, Jonathan, 
WeShop, the, the e-commerce organization that owns 10%. So that's quite, uh, I guess you probably called it an, an eclectic cross-section of investments. But um, uh, on the same day that uh, uh, Two Shields um, uh, reiterated the, the announcement by Power Metal Resources um, for Kalahari, uh, the Kalahari, Kalahari Key uh, project, um, it also there was also an update from Brandshield, and Brandshield basically provides cyber security um, against phishing, which of course is a huge burgeoning industry for the uh, criminal fraternity. Um, and uh, um, Brandshield said um, in its uh, news announcement on the day, coronavirus have been the coming of age for scammers and con artists, uh, which is uh, which I think is um, whilst unpleasant, it, it is a, a fact we're all having to live with. Um, and uh, but on the back of the that uh, development, Brandshield had noted recurring revenues for the first six months of the year were um, almost equal the entire revenues it had generated for 2019, um, and it was seeing huge demand from a cross section of sectors, including pharmaceutical, medical supplies, banking, foreign exchange, loans, the entertainment industry, gaming, and also from delivery companies too. So clearly, uh, this is a, it's a key factor, I, I guess, because we're all living at home and in lockdown or have been, um, and we're ordering online and using online, it's it's seen as a huge opportunity for the scam artists to get involved. So Brandshield is right at the forefront of protecting against that. So on the back of that, uh, you'll see if you look at the two Shields investments uh, charts, the, um, the share price rose from 0.08p to where it is now, 0.11p. Um, but I think any development uh, um, across any of these companies uh, is going to propel the share price higher. And it looks to me to be a very good spread of risk. And as I say, a, a somewhat eclectic mix too. But um, um, I, I know the investment community think an awful lot of Paul Johnson, what he's doing with Power Metal Resources. And um, I should say that uh, Two Shields own 4% of Power Metal Resources, but they also earn 17.8% of the Kalahari Key project. So um, once that starts to progress, that that could that alone could materially change the uh, valuation for Two Shields. Fantastic. So ju- just as a quick uh, quick note, Alan. So investors that are listening to this may be used to investing in investment trusts. I mean, is this company a very similar setup to that? And, and where do investors sort of see the returns um, from, from such companies? Is it through dividend payments mainly, or is it sort of capital appreciation in the share price? Well, I think with investment funds, of course, you you can buy your, if you're buying a fund directly, you can buy your accumulation units or your income units, which provide you with accumulation, capital accumulation or, or income. Um uh, Two Shields obviously is, is is it's not a, a fund as such. It's, it's a listed company. It's an investment company. Um, but uh, I would categorise them very much in the accumulation uh, in, in the accumulation area of investing. In that they've invested in what they see are high growth companies. They've done the research. They've been able to buy into the companies at a at a decent level, and they're expecting um, exponential growth. From one or, or all of the companies, so um, and I think you know, given the spread of risk there, there there's an exciting. There are some companies which I think you know. We, you, you mentioned WeShop. I think that's obviously got great potential. Brand Shield, of course, and we know about the um, the Kalahari Key project and Power Metal, Global Geoscience too. Um, you know, that's an, another huge growth 
growth area, and of course, West African lithium. So, um, so yeah, I, th- this is all about capital growth. Um, and it is entirely possible that the company could at some point decide to pay a dividend to shareholders too. But um, that's not on the cards yet. But uh, I'm sure we'll hear about it if that's uh, if that changes in the future. Fantastic, Alan. Thank, thank you very much. So as a recap, the companies that we discussed today were Strategic Minerals that trades under the ticker of SML, um, Two Shields Investments that trades under the ticker of TSI, and of course, Admiral with a ticker of ADM. Alan, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. Thanks again, Jonathan. Perfect. So just as a reminder, um, anybody that is listening to this and haven't, hasn't yet listened to the podcast with Justin Urquhart-Stewart last week, do check that out. Um, you should be able to see that beneath this one in your podcast player. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.